All right, all right. This is not fair. This is not fair. That's my favorite song, and I can never get through that song without crying. And now I have to come up here and preach. <laughs> oh, man, the words of that song, they, they touch me to my core. I, I pray that they do the same for you and that we will live our lives proclaiming that all of you, Jesus, is, is all I need. And that we'll live our lives accordingly. Man, I mean, we've been dancing, lifting weights this morning, and, and I, I'm just pumped. I'm ready to go, man. I, I hope that you are welcome. Those of you who are here with us in person, those who are joining us online as well, whether you're live streaming or checking us out later on on demand, we are so glad that you are with us today. Hey, I don't know if you checked your calendar today or not, but today is January 23rd. You know what that is, right? January 23rd? You don't? All right, I will tell you, because Chris Stevenson in his sermon on January 2nd mentioned that by January 23rd, only 8% of those who made New Year's resolutions are still keeping them. I hope you're among the 8% if you made that resolution. Whether you made a New Year's resolution or not, my prayer is that we will resolve daily to be followers of Christ. That we'll be followers of Christ. You know, as an Eagle Scout, I am more than familiar with the Boy Scout motto of be prepared. As a Boy Scout, I knew that I needed to be prepared whatever might come my way because to be caught unawares was simply unacceptable. However, there was that one time. In high school, I served one summer as a counselor for a week of church camp for elementary students. I Little did I know I was preparing myself for what would become my life's vocation later on, because I had no idea about that at that point. But I'm serving as a counselor at a week of church camp for elementary students. And the counselors all got together and we decided on our last night at camp, we were going to have an epic event. One that would have the children talking about this for years to come. You see, the camp had a lake, and there was a little island across the way from the main part of the camp that was on camp property. And so on Thursday night of that week, we were going to take all of the kids across the lake to that island, make a big bonfire and roast marshmallows and sing songs and have a good time, and sleep under the stars. It was going to be epic. And it was. We had a great time. The bonfire went well. The kids sang their hearts out. And they were even worn out to the point that by midnight, they had all gone to sleep in their sleeping bags right there on the shore of the lake. And that meant we counselors got to lay down and go to sleep as well. So it was a win all the way around. It was a beautiful, beautiful thing until it wasn't. At 3 o'clock in the morning, the thunder rolled, the lightning flashed, and the heavens opened up, pouring down upon us, instantly soaking us to the bone. <laughs> Be prepared. Yeah, no, we were not. We were not. Be prepared. It's a great motto by which to live your life, whether you're a Boy Scout or you're scouting for boys or scouting for girls or just scooting through life. 
Even so, I can find myself worn down at times by the day-to-day blah, 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 just like everyone else. In Kyle Eidelman's new book, One at a Time, he writes this in the introduction. Nobody grows up dreaming of waking up, going to work, heading home, watching Netflix, scrolling through social media, and then doing it all over again the next day until their last breath. We all want to be used to change the world. We don't want to spend our lives being time wasters or space takers or binge watchers or game players or even book readers. We want to make a difference. But how? I mean, we can't necessarily be prepared for every contingency that might come our way through life. But we do need to be prepared for handling the majors that life can throw our way. Now, of all the majors, we must come to grips with the fact that the most major that is out there is we should be prepared because today is the day for sharing the good news of Jesus. Today is the day. We need to understand and truly believe that Jesus could come back at any second now. And even if he doesn't, if he decides to linger, none of us have the promise of our next breath. And you put together with that the fact that a hundred years from now, the only thing that's going to matter is your relationship with Jesus. And now the perfect storm is brewing for which we must be prepared. Because we've got to help other people come to know Jesus and have that saving relationship with Him. People need to hear the gospel and they need to see the gospel lived out in our lives so that they would then want to ask about the hope that resides in us. And you know, none of us in this room can save anybody. We can't. That's not our job. But Jesus can and does save. So our job is to point people to Jesus, to bring them along so that they want to get to know Jesus. How are we going to do that? They've got to see Jesus at work in our lives and see the love that we live our lives with, and they will be attracted to that. Everybody in this room today knows at least one person who needs to know Jesus. And probably in the various situations that you're in throughout the week, the various groups of people that you interact with, there's one in most of those groups who need to know Jesus. So, are we living in a manner that would cause them to ask us about the hope that we have? We should concentrate on the one. Because it gets overwhelming if we start going, well, everyone needs Jesus. Which is true. But that gets overwhelming to us then. Everyone. I can't, I can't do everyone. But we can do one. One at a time. Yet many of us shrink in fear 
at the thought of sharing the good news of Jesus with others. We go, no, that's, that's a good thing, but that's the preacher's job, right? Well, yes and no. It is the preacher's job to lead other people to Jesus, but it's all of our job too. As followers of Jesus, we have been called to be His witnesses. So, what are some practical steps that we can take? Well, let's take a look at the Bible, because I find that's a really good place to start when we have complicated questions like this. You know, the Apostle Peter was among the small group of men that were charged by an angel from heaven to be witnesses for Jesus, first in Jerusalem, and then Judea, and then Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And we read about that in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And in the very next chapter, in Acts chapter 2, Peter and his fellow apostles are gathered in Jerusalem along with Jews from all around the known world for the day of Pentecost. And Peter proclaims boldly that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And the people who hear this message, it says they're cut to the heart and they say, what, what do we got to do? And he gives them the answer. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sin, the forgiveness of your sin, and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And on that day, the church is born. 3,000 souls are added to their numbers on that day alone. Now, Peter and the rest of the guys could have just sat back and propped their feet up and went, whoo, 3,000, that's pretty good. That's not what they did. For the rest of of their lives on this planet, they proclaimed the hope that resided in them, the hope that is Jesus. And 30 years after the birth of the church on the day of Pentecost, Peter wrote these words that we see in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior will be put to shame. I believe that Peter must have been the one who coined the motto, be prepared. He's exhorting us to be ready. Now, as I was studying this passage this past week, I took a look at the, the commentary written by Bruce Orbst. It's the college press commentary titled, Letters from Peter. And in that commentary, Bruce gives this expanded translation of the passage that we've just looked at. Check this out. But in your hearts, sanctify and reverence Christ as Lord, being ready and prepared at any and every time to give answer, let's make a defense, to every person who asks, and they ask you a reason so they're asking you to give an account concerning the hope that lies within you. Yet, 
with meekness, mildness, forbearance, along with reverence and respect. Now, there are some churchy words found in, in this that I want to go through a couple of those real quickly before we move on. All right, the first churchy word I want us to, to make sure we've got a hold of is sanctify. Sanctify, that means to set apart as special or to set apart as holy. We are to set apart Jesus as holy because he is holy. Another churchy word we see there is reverence. Reverence means a feeling or an attitude of deep respect tinged with awe. It means veneration. And then forbearance. I love this one. It means patience, endurance, self-control, and my favorite part of the definition, abstaining from the enforcement of a right. That's forbearance. We should humbly proclaim the reason for our hope. We don't need to hit people over the heads with our Bibles. We just need to let the light of Jesus shine forth through us in our lives. All right, you know if I'm preaching, there's going to be a duh statement. So here it comes. Here comes the duh. Are you ready? Jesus modeled this form of humility while proclaiming hope to the world. Duh. As we talked about a couple of weeks back, Paul reminds us in Philippians chapter 2 that Jesus did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped, but he humbled himself. Now, we've just gone through the Christmas season a little over a month ago. So it should still kind of be fresh in our minds that Jesus was born in a manger. That's an animal stall. He was born in a manger. One, one minute he's in the glory of eternity, worshipped by countless angels and others as co-equal with God. The next minute he's in an animal stall. He's laid down in a feeding trough as a bed. He's wrapped in swaddling cloths. Now, we know all of this because we just went through the Christmas season, right? But do you know what swaddling cloths are? Swaddling cloths were provided by the priests to shepherds so that the shepherds could wrap the lambs that were earmarked for sacrifice to God. So even in his humble birth, Jesus proclaims that he is the hope of the world. Jesus is the sacrificial lamb who once and for all times takes away the sins of all of us. Now again, in our passage, Peter has reminded us to always be ready to give an answer to those who ask us about the hope residing in us, but to do so humbly and gently and respectfully. After all, our hope isn't in us. It's in Jesus. It's in Jesus. Now, as we read this passage from 1 Peter, 
often we like to, to really focus on the last part of, of those verses in, in verse 16. You know, the part that says, when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. We, we like that part. But that should not be our motivation. That should not color the way that we talk about the hope residing in us. That's just kind of icing on the cake, if you will. That shouldn't be what motivates us. You share the hope of Jesus residing in you, not by being confrontational or condescending or holier than thou. You do so by being gentle and loving and showing that one person that Jesus is the love and Jesus is the hope residing in you. If the people who were attracted to Jesus are repelled by you, that's a you problem. Jesus attracted people by his presence. We should do the same. We need to have a sense of urgency because today is the day. We also need to have an attitude of humility and gentleness. Now, in my church camp experience that I was telling you about a few moments ago, I was humbled beyond measure. And there certainly was a sense of urgency because we needed to get those kids back across the lake. I mean, we were already soaked to the bone, didn't matter. But we had to wait for the lightning to stop. And then when it was deemed safe, then we began ferrying the kids back across from the island over to the main part of camp, and we were all going to gather in the dining hall, make sure we had everybody and, and everything. Oh, did I mention that there were three canoes at the camp? And we, we were ferrying 50 to 60 kids and the counselors and our equipment. And Did you know that sleeping bags, when they are thoroughly soaked, are way heavier than when they're dry? <laughs> It put my canoeing skills as a Boy Scout to the test, let me tell you, because I was one of the three that did the paddling all the way. And we did finally get everybody back across and, and in the dining hall, and fortunately nobody was injured. It was about 5 o'clock in the morning by the time we got the last of the crew off of the island and over. So we weren't going to go back to bed, and we couldn't anyway because everything was wet. No one was injured, fortunately. In that event. But I will tell you something. I have never since slept under the stars without a backup plan within arm's reach. There will be a shelter close to where I'm sleeping under the stars from now on. Just like that Thursday night back at church camp, there's a storm coming. And you need to be prepared, not just for yourself, but for those around you. You need to be ready to jump in that canoe and start paddling with a sense of urgency because the urgency is real. Today is the day. Today is the day for a reminder that Jesus could come back at any moment. Today is the day that Jesus has given to you to share the good news of Jesus, to share the hope that resides in you, that's Jesus. 
and to share this hope with the people who are lost and dying and destined for the eternal fires of hell unless they have a saving relationship with Jesus. And that should break your heart. That should be the motivation to get you to live in such a manner so that others, including your one, are going to ask about the hope residing in you so you can lead them to Jesus. Such was the case when Jack Martinelli had the opportunity. I got your attention, didn't I, <laughs> When Jack Martinelli had the opportunity to meet Kendra Fredrickson. I want you to watch and listen as Kendra tells this story in her own words. Check this out. Um, I don't know how to explain. I just went through a very hard time. Um, I wasn't eating, sleeping, because I don't know. I just, uh, I know that I'm going to sound crazy or tinfoil hat, but I just believe we're in a spiritual war right now, and I didn't have hope. Um, and I just see a lot of evil out there, and now I have hope. I just happened to be on Instagram and there was a, a um, advertisement for, Insta, uh, for Stretch Zone where Jack Martinelli works. And so I said, oh, I'm going to go there because I'm, you know, I'm, I was a gymnast all my life. I, I'm an athlete. I'm tight. I'm going to go tr check it out. I just started talking to Jack while he was working on me and I just said, I just think there's something, there's God, there's God out there. There's Jesus. I just know it. And then he started sharing his story and that he this church, um, he told me about the church, and he has humor, which I love this about this church, it has humor. Um, and he told me about the church, he, he, I kind of, I was blubbering on him, which is weird, because I don't cry in front of people, I'm a happy-go-lucky person, but I was just talking to him and talking to him, and he's like, I go to this church, I've been there all my life. He goes, I went to school for his ministry. He goes, he just shared a little bit, and he invited me to come, and I came. Um, and I was like, am I going to get struck by lightning? Oh my gosh, I'm going to get taken down. <laughs> and um, he, he made me so comfortable. He introduced me to everybody, introduced me to his family, his mom and dad. Um, and I honestly, the first four Sundays I came, I blubbered like a baby the whole time. And if that isn't a God thing, I don't know what is. Because um, I just knew I was meant to be here. Now, Kendra knows that it wasn't Jack Martinelli who saved her from her sins. But she knows it was the hope residing in Jack that attracted her to the point of even asking him about that. Kendra knows that Jack and this church were vehicles that God used to bring her to the point of being willing to submit to the Lordship of Jesus. And on November 21st, 2021, Kendra was baptized into Christ. Now, she's living a life, doing her best to express to others the hope that resides in her. And during my conversation with Kendra this week, I asked her to explain that hope. Now, Kendra is a new believer in every sense of the word. But listen to her answer regarding her hope. God is good. God is good. And I believe 
I just believe that people who believe and believe in his son will be okay, even if we're not okay. I, I have hope that we'll be okay. I, it's, it's a very hard thing to understand because it comes within, in, from within you and your heart and your soul. Um, but just to know that things can get really tough, and I've had a lot of trials and tribulations in my life, and I've foxholed prayer, um, but never had that unbelievable strength and belief that even I'll be okay. Even if something bad happens to you tomorrow, I'll be okay. God's got me. Kendra's testimony is inspiring. Jack's living testimony that led Kendra here to Jesus is inspiring. And you can do the same. Again, we ask, but how? Well, we need to take practical steps every single day so that others around us, especially the one us about the hope residing in us. You know, there's an old southern saying that says you can uh, draw more flies with honey than with vinegar. And that's true. As a follower of Christ, we should be the most pleasant person in the room. We should be the most gracious person in the room. Now, if we're in a room with a couple more of us, it's not a competition to see who can that defeats the purpose. But we should be the most gracious people, the most loving people. Because that's one way we can attract others. But let me give you some Kickstarter hints as to you know, how you can be more attractive to others and so that they will ask this question to you. I'm going to give you a couple to start with, and then you develop the rest of them on your own and live that out every day. First of all, have a winsome personality. I said earlier that people were attracted to Jesus. He had a winsome personality. People liked being around him. One of my favorite preachers, Rick Ashley, tweeted out this week, Loyalty to Christ might result in suffering, but it is never a reason to behave insufferably. along with that, how about if we put on our faces a genuine smile? Wear a genuine smile. Don't paint that plastic fake thing that you put on as you're trudging through life. Have a genuine smile. People can tell the difference, by the way. They know when you're shaking it. Put a genuine smile on your face. This next one is a duh. Go out of your way to help others. It means exactly what it says. Go out of your way to help others. Or how about this one? Be genuinely friendly, even to strangers. I don't mean stop people or anything like that, okay? I'm just saying be genuinely friendly. If you're going in and out of a building, hold the door open and let people go through and, and wish them to have a great day. Now, if it's got one of those automatic doors, don't do that because people think you're strange. But hold the door open for strangers. Let them pass in front of you and genuinely wish them to have a good day. 
Or how about this one? Wear clothing that will get a conversation about Jesus started. Peggy and I saw The Chosen, the Christmas experience, subtitled The Messengers. We saw it in the theaters over the holiday season. It's available on The Chosen app. Now you can watch it for free. But we, we went to the theaters and watched it. And during this experience, and there's a, a, a movie kind of story that's told along with a lot of music that was fabulous. But the hashtag they were using to promote this event was hashtag people must know. And so after we'd been to this theater experience, I was, was checking online with The Chosen and they, they didn't have a shirt that I was looking for. Because I wanted a shirt that said, Messenger, hashtag people must know. So I asked our friend, Ellie Caban, if she could make me a shirt with this message, which obviously she did. That's why I'm wearing this today. I have to tell you, the first time I wore the shirt was Monday morning. And one of the very first people that we had any interactions with that morning was a nurse in a doctor's office as Peggy and I were going and she was getting a, a checkup going on. And the nurse greeted us and we we're walking back and she's putting Peggy on the scales that we all love so much, doing all that stuff. But the nurse looked up at me and read my shirt and said, oh, I see you're a messenger. What message do you have for me today? And I smiled and I looked at her and I said, Jesus loves you. That's my message. She said, what a lovely message. Thank you so much for sharing it with me. Now, this nurse was already a believer in Christ, but you can imagine the joy that filled the rest of our conversation in that encounter that morning. May all of our conversations be filled with that kind of joy. And when we do these things, we're only doing what we're supposed to do anyway, folks. This isn't a suggestion. It's truly following the great commandment. It is the job that Jesus has given to his followers. And for us to fail to do so is disobedience. And disobedience is sin. So church... Let's live our lives that attract others to Jesus. May they see the hope residing in us. We can do this. Let's develop our plan for how we're going to live each day. You can take the suggestions I've given you, throw every one of them out, and do your own. doesn't matter. Do what fits for you so that others will be attracted to the hope residing in you. And let's do so in humility and grace because that will attract others to ask us about the hope residing in us. Church, let's get down to business because this is what we've been called to do. And all the more as we see the day approaching. What day? The day of Christ's return, of course.